Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Emma Sasek's interview with the co-writer for the film Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths, Nicolas Giacobone. Silverio Gama, periodista, documentalista, slash, artista. Hello, Nicolas. Hi, hi. No, I just wanted to, I'm coming out of a flu, so I, maybe I, I will cough. <laughs> <laughs> that is okay. But, so they can edit. They can edit. <laughs> Absolutely. How are you? Uh, How are you, Nicolas? Aside from coming out from a flu. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Good. I'm good. Very good. Well, Just enjoying enjoying our summer down here in Buenos Aires. Oh my goodness! Oh yes, and how exciting uh, with Argentina. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I, I don't. I, it, one more, one more match to go. So I, I don't, know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to be careful. I have to be careful. That's true. You kind of have to. You have to watch out for those tricky Frenchmen. But I, I'm rooting for Argentina and Lionel Messi to take it home this time. <laughs> nice, nice. Yes. I think I think most of the world is with with Messi, but I think so. France is tough, it's very <laughs> tough. So we'll see. <laughs> Nicolas, I I want to say thank you so much for taking some time to speak with me today about Bardo. I'm very excited to dive into this film with you and all of the creative spins and touches that you put on as one of the screenplay writers. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I love talking about this film, <laughs> uh, so. So it's my pleasure. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, first and foremost, congratulations so far on wonderful nominations that the film has received. I know tomorrow it's coming out on Netflix. How are you feeling about everything that's been happening from the last few weeks with film festival reactions and more people watching the film? Yeah, I mean, the, I, the only thing I focus on is, is the is the film, like the the, the piece that. That's, Everything else that happens is it's just it's not on our control mm-hmm. and <laughs> and and the film is something that i that I truly love that it's uh, of all the projects I worked on is the most special one for me like i I, I truly i mean it, the whole process was so special and particular and and, and difficult uh, but uh, but a lot of fun also is that 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 I just love just showing the film i just I love that it's going to be on Netflix tomorrow and everybody can see it for yes. 
for, for, for years and years. <laughs> exactly. Before we dive into all of the things that made this film so special, I would love to know what the working relationship has been like with Alejandro Iñárritu over the years. You two have collaborated on so many films together at this point, and I really hope that more collaborations keep coming from two. But um, what has that creative relationship been like for the past 10 plus years? 20 years, probably. Yeah, I mean, for me, it changed a lot because uh, the first project I did with him, I collaborated with him, was, was beautiful and and the, the the crazy thing from 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 my side I, that it that was the first film that I wrote that was produced, mm-hmm. which isn't like a like an often or a, or, a, or a common thing for a screenwriter to have a that type of film as his first film. So um, so the truth is that I, I had written one uh, screenplay before that, <laughs> a movie called The Last Elvis, that was produced after like a couple of years after. Okay. So basically, I sort of learned. <laughs> I learned I, in that first project with Alejandro. Like I, I learned how to write screenplays while I was working on it. Like it was a very uh, peculiar process. And Alejandro is crazy enough to invite uh, an unknown Argentinian to to collaborate with him. So, so it was a. Uh, I will always will be thankful with him because of that. Because it's not it's not regular. It's not common that big name uh, big, big directors will invite unknowns to collaborate so so yeah i mean it, it's from that to this point like from my side it changed a lot like it was pure growth and and just being close to him and of course we became friends with mm-hmm. time so now the collaboration is is deeper and 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 the, the time we spend together is, is a lot of fun uh, and, and we're very comfortable with each other right now so mm-hmm. so that translates for the uh, into the projects, I believe. I'm sure at that time when Beautiful was produced and, and put on the big screen, I, I don't know if you thought a few years later you would be holding Academ- an Academy Award in your hands for Birdman. <laughs> no, no. Actually, never. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think that we, like, artists shouldn't expect anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the healthiest place to be. And, uh, and I tried yeah, I mean, even with Berman, when we were having all the nominations, I just could. I we're sort of looking at each other and laughing because it never. I mean, it's so hard. It's it's so hard to be nominated at anything. Like it's you need. There's a lot of coincidences that need to happen. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, like there's a, there's a lot of amazing films that were never that never received an award. Like it's it's just a tricky. Yeah. Situation, so you have to be grateful when it happens. Absolutely. You can never put all of your eggs in one basket, as somebody might say, but um, you've truly had an extraordinary yeah, I believe career. That, that, yeah, I believe that that should be the ending, the, the goal, you know? Like, it's just the goal is the, is the film, is the, the work of art, I think. And, and the, the only thing we can do is do the best we can right. with every opportunity. Absolutely. Well, since since those years, you've had truly a wonderful, extraordinary career. And um, now this latest film, Bardo, uh, it teams the two of you up once again. Um, how did conversations around this film begin? Did, did either of you know what story you wanted to tell? Um, or did it all kind of come naturally as you two started to work together on it? No, I think it's all in the process. Like uh, at the beginning, it's usually like a concept or, or an idea that Alejandro has or a theme that he wants to explore. 
and in Bardo, uh, like I knew since the beginning that it, w- that it was going to be personal for Alejandro because the conflicts he wanted to, ex- to explore were very personal to him. Mm-hmm. And I also knew that he didn't want to be trapped by a particular structure or yeah. a classic structure. Yeah. So I think those were the two starting points, but that, that was all. Like, that, and the first thing we do usually is just spend time together. We we, we meet in, in in Mexico and Los Angeles and just spend time together, talking and, and sort of dreaming. And 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 with Pablo, particularly at, at first, like, like Alejandro usually says, it was a little bit of like a like therapy <laughs> sessions. Uh-huh. Yeah. He was going very deep into his uh, these particular conflicts and things that were very personal to him, and, and some very uh, uh, hard things like like the the, the loss of a, of a child. So, mm-hmm. so it was very. I mean, for me, it was super interesting in the sense that to see you know like the uh, someone like Alejandro being so open, and but the most special thing for me was when those conflicts started to become ideas and mostly like absurd ideas and funny ideas like crazy like crazy ways of dealing with uh, with, with these personal issues and and that's where I started to understand what this film could be it really does cover so many different topics as you mentioned um there's I think the main, there's the conflict in terms of not feeling like you belong in one place or the other. Um, There's definitely immigration, as you mentioned, loss of a child, all these different family relationships. Um, How did the film speak either to your own personal history with life and different experiences that you have gone through? Um, You know, because I'm sure that since you were involved in the writing process, a little bit of yourself went into the film too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that it's it's essential for a writer to, even when the story comes from someone else, to put yourself in the shoes of the characters and 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 and, and make it your own somehow. Because it's, if not, it's impossible to write. But but yeah, I mean, I think that the the, the movie deals with very universal topics, and 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 of course, like the idea was to to build it to go moment by moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so every moment had like a theme and had a, like a specific, let's say, uh, part of Silverio's uh, arc or story that we wanted to uh, to to explore. And and all those themes belong to almost every human being. Like I could put myself in almost every moment. And, and of course, some are easier, like the conversation with his son in the breakfast, you know, like I... Yeah. That was so much fun to write because I, when I was 15 years old, I drove my parents crazy. And I, I, be, I believed I knew it. I, I believed I knew everything. I understood everything. And so I, I, I was that kid in that scene completely. Like, um, and then you know, like the, the situation with with his father, because uh, Alejandro lost his father, but I, I also lost mine. Mm-hmm. So you have this scene with, with with a father that comes from. From that already died, so he sort of understands everything. Uh, and and you have a, I always make the joke that that dialogue is sort of written in the way that uh, writing books says you shouldn't write dialogue yeah. <laughs> because they just they just say it, they just say what they want to say. Right? Yeah. 
and then you go to the mother and the mother is alive and she's completely lost she yeah. doesn't even know yeah. where she is most mm-hmm. of the time so yeah i mean that's that's what i feel you always have to do as a writer is is put yourself there and and and, and see how that affects you mm-hmm. personally i know for myself personally this film the moments where it's examining um identity and not being sure where exactly you belong. My my family is from former Yugoslavia and we immigrated to the United States when I was very, very young. And I kind of grew up in in my household. It was all about my Bosnian heritage and culture and speaking the language at home. But then leaving my home, it would be English. I'd be going to schools in America, speaking English with classmates. And it was always that interesting, uh, you know, I'm two people, I'm two different cultures blended in one person. And I think that that really was the the part of this film that was very strong to me. And I'd love to know with yourself as an Argentinian writer, uh, man going to all these different countries and spreading your work, how has that been like for you too? Did you feel like there were moments where I'm not sure where exactly I belong or was it a little bit easier for you? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, I, I always lived here. I mean, I lived in New York for a few years, but mostly okay. I lived in, in, in Argentina and, and I lived in the same neighborhood. But the truth is, I feel that being not belonging is just being a human being regularly, in yeah. a way. <laughs> uh, because even if, like, you, you, you're a kid and you change schools, you, you just, you know, like, you don't be like, it's just a very, yeah, like, like, like that was an element that I completely understood. Of course, of course, Alejandro uh, talking about his personal experience, would, which is a more, let's say, prominent situation of him living for ten years mm-hmm. or twenty years. I don't even remember how long he's been in the states, mm-hmm. and and he's older than me. You know, he's he's almost sixty, so you know he's looking back and seeing what he lost, but also what he achieved and what he gained and and the thing that for me was interesting and, and that I sort of loved about the premise when we started talking about those subjects was that there, there are no answers yeah. you can see what you lost you can see what you gained but you don't know what would happen if you if you if you, if you took like different choices so if you make different like uh, like, like the path is already walked in that yeah. sense you know so yeah. You can, and, and it's blurry. It's blurry. You know, you, you cannot see it uh, as, as it as it was specifically. You just sort of feel a certain, you know, like feelings and, and and ways to talk about it that it's never precise. So I sort of I, I, I love trying to bring that into the film. Like mm-hmm. the film was never about answers. Like we, it's it's like. Uh, like narrating the confusion, you know, like the, the confusion of a character in mm-hmm. a way, and he never gets to the point of saying, "Okay, this is 
this is uh, how it was and or how it should have been or whatever you know like yeah. and and I think that that it's something that we we worked and talked a lot and and polished a lot in the screenplay but I truly believe that that's life in the general sense <laughs> I mean, we always wonder at the end of the day, did I make the right decision doing this? What would have happened if we didn't move, if this is how my life turned out? But at the end of the day, we don't know what that answer is. We can only hope that the things that are going on in our life at the moment are the best things that could have happened. Yes, I mean, for sure, tonight I will be in bed thinking about this conversation and I should have said this. I shouldn't have said that. Yes. Uh, my English sucks. No, I should have used, like, not at uh, all. You know, uh, no, no, but that's, that's how we are. I feel yes. that that's inescapable. And, and, and I sort of loved talking about that in the film because it makes the character very human. Yes. Uh, and, and yeah. Uh, we also talked a little bit about how this film, it's... It's uh, so many different sequences with dreams. It's filmed out of order. It's not filmed in the most conventional way, as you mentioned earlier. Um, what's it like to then have to bring that to life uh, in terms of working with, with Alejandro as, as a director, with the cinematographer and all of that? Because I'm sure sometimes, you know, reading that a fishbowl is going to spill out and then everything is going to be flooded. I'm sure in someone's mind, that's like, how am I supposed to show that? Yeah, I mean, that's the good thing about being a writer. You know, like, that's the, the only... We, we writers are the only ones that have it easy, I think, in the in the film industry, in the sense that <laughs> it's the first thing that is done. You're never in a rush. Nobody's spending millions of dollars yet. <laughs> and so you can dream. And, and we, always with Alejandro, we make jokes because it's just, we, you know, we'll write a paragraph and then it, that's how the hell am I going to shoot that? You know? <laughs> um, but Alejandro, usually, like, w- w- when I collaborate with him, we try to arrive at a very detailed screenplay. Like it's, a, it's usually it's like a thick, very detailed. He doesn't want to leave anything, you know, to luck or. Mm. Uh, and and he always says that during screenwriting, he's the part where he dreams, and then when he's directing, he has to be like a surgeon, <laughs> very oh. precise and know everything, <laughs> know know as much as possible. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean, while working on it, when I was reading it, I was always asking myself. How how is it going to pull this off? <laughs> the thing about this project particularly was that I couldn't be on on set uh, because of the pandemic and oh, the okay. protocols were very rigorous, rigorous. And but I talked to him on the phone constantly, and every time he called me, I could sense in his voice how how difficult it was. <laughs> uh, but also how proud he was, you know, Good. of what they were doing. Uh, so yeah. What was it yeah, like for you then? That's why I'm, I'm, a, I'm just a writer. Mm-hmm. I, I will always be just a writer. Well, you're, <laughs> a, wo- you're a wonderful writer and not just a writer. <laughs> <laughs> um, in, in that same regard then, since you weren't able to be on set and see things happening, what was it like the first time seeing this film? What was your reaction? It's, uh, I think the first time I, I saw like a, half of the, of the film mm-hmm. like I went to LA to to help Alejandro a little bit with the editing and, and it, it was interesting because it was like half of the film but it was already like two hours long or so <laughs> uh, but for me I mean movies are like you know like 
I, I think films are not done until they are films. <laughs> the screenplays. Yes. For me, it's always like a, I, I love working on screenplays because it allows me to to sort of help someone make the the piece of art, and and so it's very exciting usually to see the, the first cuts and see that, and 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 it's very emotional. It's, it, it's so it, it's it's funny because the situation is usually funny because you believe you know everything. You, know? Mm-hmm. you, you, you are so close to a thing that mm-hmm. you believe you understand. You're always expecting everything, but then you see it and you you're I don't know like it's it's it's, it's very peculiar. It's like you are an spectator yeah. more than a collaborator sometimes when you're yeah. watching it. Yeah. So it's a it's a. It, it's very, it's very beautiful. I mean, and, and you're you're surprised most of the time because things you imagine now are sort of different, and, and you see the, the actors turning everything into, you know, flesh and blood, and you can see the emotions. And I don't know, like it's. I mean, I'm sure it's, it's such a. It's, yeah. I'm sure it's just such a exciting feeling and extraordinary moment to see the words that you wrote down being spoken by people on a big screen and all of the wild ideas that you thought were only possible in your head to actually see them played out. I I can't even imagine what that must be like. It's just like an insane miracle. It's like, <laughs> like it's truly. And you know how many people work on that and everybody in their own areas and people have no idea. Like, I mean, the regular audiences, they have no idea how yeah. difficult it is to make a film, yeah. even a tiny film. Like, so it's so hard. It's so hard that I don't know. I mean, I feel that even if you don't like a film, you have to celebrate it because <laughs> everybody involved probably suffered a lot and, and and people risk a lot of things when doing films. Yes. It's not like I know I write novels, doesn't matter. I'm at home with a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it's like it doesn't sell, it sells, nobody cares. Like it's right. just just but with films like it's just it's like building like a city. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's yeah, it's very beautiful, I mean to see to see a film for the first time. Scary. Scary, a little scary, but at the end, it's usually... Well, I'm very excited for more people to be able to see this film from tomorrow onward and hopefully uh, many more wonderful reactions and awards, nominations, and all the works come your way and and all your collaborators' ways, too. Let's see. see. The good thing is that the movie exists, and and I'm, I'm so proud of it. Uh, being a part of it so that's that's enough for me and yeah let's let's start dreaming about the next one that's right <laughs> nicolas thank you so very much for your time today it was such a pleasure to speak with you thank you thank you and best of luck to argentina <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah let, let, let's hope for that that's that will be a great ending of this year i agree <laughs> Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Emma Sassick's interview with the co-screenwriter for the film Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Bardo is currently available to stream on Netflix and is up for your consideration for Best International Feature at this year's Academy Awards. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. 
Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. Which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily.